Um, I wanted to um, try and review some because I kind of I forget and I teach it, so it kind of helps us. So I thought we'd spend just a few minutes this morning reviewing um, the past three lessons that we've had already. It's our fourth lesson in here. I can't believe it, and um, well, it's unbelievable. Number one is the purpose of Titus two. You know, we spent all day that first day talking about it's evangelism, it's ministry, it's discipleship, and I really want us to. Um, um, spend just a few minutes this morning, not long, because, um, because people are missing, and I'll follow up on an email. But there are, you know, Carol's helped me out a ton with the paperwork that's required, um, that's required here at the Baptist Church for us to fill out, and um, Carol has got a lot of great giftings. Um, filling out paperwork is not one of her better <laughs> giftings. And so, um, so we're in need of people to come alongside and help in the secretary area. We need people that will do outreach. Carolyn O'Neill has a a list of women who are um, uh, in need of a class, and um, it would be a great opportunity for us to give them a call and, and get them plugged in and um, tell them, hey, you know, we care about you, and we'd be interested. And they're usually women that have, like, come and either join the church or they visit, the, usually they've joined the church, but they're not in a Sunday school class. Plug those women into an opportunity for them to come here. So outreach, inreach, you know, just, hey, inreach, how we're doing, touching members, you know, so it's not so cold call kind of thing, but it's out members in, in, in that area. And so those are the three things, those are the three big areas that we really need. I just start asking you to start praying about that. Um, I, I got to the point of at least getting all the addresses and emails into the database, but I didn't get an email out this week, so the goal is to get that out um, in the, um, this coming week, is I want to get that out to everybody and talk about those needs. Um, and also what I was thinking is let's, um, let's plan on, I was thinking about doing it next week, but it won't work on the first, so we're going to start doing third um, third Sunday brunch. So the third Sunday of every month, we will go after worship somewhere for, to eat. And um, so that's going to be the 21st of this month. And, um, and so we'll decide where we want to go and go. And there's several places close by that aren't very far that have some you know, meeting areas and stuff like that. Or there might be some fun, fun places we might want to go a little further out. And, um, and make that happen. And so at that Sunday brunch on the 21st is really when I want to spend some time just kind of talking about, hey, let's, let's start plugging into to serve here in the class and how we can do. Another huge area that I'd like to have um, um, get started on is also prayer because um, I think that's so critical. And I've been in part of classes where they pray before the class even starts. People come early and, and, um, and then they're really intentional throughout the week to be praying specifically for some of the needs of the class. Um, and that's all part of the ministry. So... So that ties in evangelism, ministry, discipleship. We're going to outreach to those who are lost and aren't plugged in and aren't getting discipled. We're going to inreach and minister to those folks that are close by to us. And um, we're going to um, have an opportunity for fellowship, which does definitely affect all three of those as you sit next to people and break bread. And this, there's a ton of teaching on that. The next, week we taught, the next week we talked about who we are as women. It was older women. We kind of skipped the older part. You know, and just talked about women. <laughs> and, um, you know, how we were created, that we were the pinnacle creation. You know, we were the very last thing that God created, and, um, and that we are, um, we're very different than men, and it's okay. It's okay that we're very different from men, and God created it that way, and that gives us an opportunity to, um, to have growth in our lives, but do unique gifts that men can't do, and the same thing men can do that we can't do, and um, so we were created. The challenges that we have as women, that we can tend to be meddlers, we can tend to be um, uh, weak-willed. Those are the two big things that we hit on that... Um, um, was so powerful that I thought that, you know, has had in my mind, hey, man, I need not meddle. And we were blessed that week because Leslie and 
Leslie, Veronica, and Kendra Smiley were here, and they have a whole lot more wisdom than I do. And if I would have known they would have been here, we probably would have had them teach. But they're awesome. We're blessed by especially Leslie's words about, um, I just want to be happy. And then the third thing um, uh, is courage. And uh, women are so courageous. And um, we really are in so many unique and different ways. And I always talk about, um, I'm from the South, and so I'm still Magnolias. I mean, that is really what we are as women. There's, Magnolias are, I call them trash trees because they, they, their leaves fall off all the time and their flowers fall off all the time. I mean, they're very, they're not very sturdy, but on the same side, they're gracious and lovely and beautiful and they give a great scent and they can be huge and strong. And, um, but we're still Magnolias and we can be strong in that. And I think the biggest key, and I love this, is Michelle McKinney Hammond is um, a, a Bible teacher and she, she, has a, she wrote a book called The Diva Principle. And I love <clears throat> Diva Principle number one, never do what a man can do when a man's in the room. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's just really, I mean, that's a good word. I mean, can we do it? Yes. You know, can I move that chair? Yes. But if a man's in the room, okay, you know, would you please move this chair? You know, let him do that. We're still magnolias. Yeah. I mean, we need to do that. And it humbles ourselves. It defers ourselves. And, but I found two, a new verse because, you know, I always love, he gives grace to those who humble themselves. But another verse, he gives favor to those who humble themselves. And that's in Psalm. And I love favor. So, And then last week we talked about reverence and deportment. And um, the big word from last week was defer. Defer. And um, Carol and I played yesterday a little bit and went to breakfast and then went out to a couple of resale shops um, downtown. And we were walking out of the Bluebird Circle one. And um, there was a guy, and he probably was in his 40s, I guess, and um, he was coming in. And, um, I mean, he kind of, like, quickened his step to, like, get in the door first kind of thing. And then he just kind of pushed the door. And, and I walked, I mean, it was, I shouldn't have said this probably, but I walked out and I said, his mama didn't raise him right. Because he had a great opportunity, you know, to hold the door open for us. It was an outswung door, so it would have been very easy. Let us walk out. But, you know, he gained that 15 seconds and, you know, you know, in that. So, anyway, so, but we need to defer. And we need to defer to, um, our elders, we need to defer to the Lord, we need to defer to our friends, and um, just look for opportunities to defer, and the reason why we want to defer is because um, God calls us to that, and that people are watching, people are looking, and when we defer in those kind of situations, um, you know, it also lessens our stress. You know, if we're not in the traffic trying to beat the guy in front of us and just let him over, you know, instead of this 18-wheeler that's like got a signal on, you're like, I can get past him, you know, just slow down and... You know, don't slam on brakes so the guy behind you doesn't hit you, but slow down, let him in. I loved how Pastor's message, too, on Abraham and Lot, how Abraham deferred to Lot. Uh-huh. Said, you know, whatever way you go, I'll go the other way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he told God bless Abraham. Mm-hmm. And I also liked it, for me, because I can retaliate, I liked what he said also that that um, Abraham didn't seek revenge for Lot. Because well, you picked it, buddy, you got it. You're on your own. You got those evil guys around you, and they're attacking you. And that—that that would be my personality. Would just say, "Go for it," you know. But the Lord, um, Abram, was much more gracious than I would ever be, and He went and rescued him and everything that was there. So defer, defer. So this week, we're, the two words that we're going to hit on in this verse, um, Titus two three, is devout and sacred service. Devout and sacred service. And again, I copied the Amplified for you guys in there because it, um, it amplifies. Bid the older women similarly to be reverent and devout in their deportment as becomes those engaged in sacred service. So again, you know, 
Paul is writing to the guy, just writing to Titus and saying, okay, look, here's some rules for the church. Here's some rules you can do. Here's your mandate for women. And um, you as women, you need to be doing these things. You need to be reverent. You need to be devout. You know, in, in your behavior and your outward, you know, expression of what's going on. Because, look, you're practicing sacred service. Your sacred service, there's holiness going on. And um, you need to be, that's what you need to be about. And then it goes on also because, as we know, the, older, the younger women will look to the older women. And in looking into the older women, they'll know what to do. Because we learn from being modeled to us. We can hear it all day long and read about it all day long. But for all of us, we learn so much better when it's modeled to us, when we actually see it lived out, walked out step by step, and we see that happening. So let's talk about devout. And um, the blank for the, the definition is that is having or showing deep religious feeling or commitment. Deep religious feeling or commitment. So the two blanks are feeling or commitment. And I, I just want to spend a minute on that because, um, again, we tie, when it says, go back to the verse, it says they needed to vow in their deportment. And their, the deportment was behavior. It's outward expression. It's something visibly that can be seen. So when he talks about being devout here, it's not just a feeling. The feelings are great. Feelings are important. It's wonderful to have feelings. And it's wonderful, you know, to, you know I've watched in a worship service where it's just almost overwhelming. Um, my devotion and my love and my, um, how much I want to express to him, how much I care about him. I sit down in my quiet times and it's awesome. And, you know, and then there's times where I walk into church. I mean, Denise just said this today walking in. Today, it's a good day. Ready to rock on. But there's some days we come to church where it's just, I'm just doing it. Why? Because I'm committed. I don't have the feeling. I'm just doing it because I'm committed. I'm devout in this. Because every day is not going to be, you know, rah, 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 get up in bed, and it's wonderful and great. In anything, because we live in a fallen world. You know, um, I work in a ministry, and, and you know, really, here's the deal. It's a job where we get to minister. And that, it's not a ministry where we minister. It's a job where we need to minister. And there's days I don't want to go to work. You know, even if great things are amazing, there's days I don't want to go to work. But you get up and you go to work because you're committed to going to work or at least you're committed to getting the paycheck. And so those are the things you do. So in the same way, our devotion to the holy things, to the sacred things, to God himself, it can't be based on feelings because there'll be days you don't like feelings. Another great book I've just started reading. I read about six books at a time. And so there's always a book that I'm going to tell you that's great because it's whatever is read. This is the, the most recent one I'm reading is Now I Lay My Isaac Down. And I think the, the subtitle is Unfathomable Faith and Uncertain Times or something like that. And it tells the story of a very, very godly couple who raised their child in a godly manner. And um, he was a Christian, strong, served the Lord. Um, and through a series of events, very quickly, he married a girl. He felt like her ex-husband was molesting their children, I mean the stepchildren, his stepchildren, and um, the court was not seeing that and was given custody or given unsupervised visitation, and he went and killed the ex-husband. First-degree murder, premeditated, intentional, witnesses, everything. And so she gets the call, you know, JP's in jail, and um, he's charged with first-degree murder, murder. And that was April of 1999, and he hasn't been out of prison since that day, and he will not be out probably for the rest of his life. And she writes a book about what's happened. She wrote it in about 04, 05. So pretty, you know, past the time kind of process to it. But one of the things she said in there, and I thought this was really amazing, and this is so important for us, and I appreciate her honesty in this. And 
Carol, her name's Carol Kent, and Carol said, um, you know, God, I have, you know, she said, you know, most of Jean's her husband, Jean and I have our spiritual goals, our, our goals have always been spiritual. You know, she was already an accomplished international speaker um, for the, for, in the Christian, you know, circuit and was very involved and had written several books already. And she's like, I have done so much for you. How could you have let this happen to me? And I appreciate that because you know what? We have those thoughts. And we need to understand that it's not a formula. Our devotion to God is not, to, it's not just rubbing the genie in just the right way to get what we want out of this. Our devotion is simply because we're devoted to Him. You know, and it's kind of what I think about is almost like true fans of, of whatever. You know, I've got friends that are Baylor Bear fans, and they're just freaking out because Baylor beat Texas yesterday in basketball and, you know, big, huge to-do. And, um, but Baylor, for the most part, is not this athletic powerhouse. But these folks are devoted to the Baylor Bears, and they're going to go to the games, and they're going to cheer them on, even though they know they're going to lose. They're devoted to them because it's not about the winning. It's about how much they love and care for it. And in the same way with the Lord, you know, being single. For, I mean, I've been single all my life, 45 years old. And, um, and I, for, I know for a lot of the time in my life, I would say, well, Lord, why am I not, you know, come to you. I'm following you. I'm doing this right. This is the desire of my heart. You haven't taken the desire away. Why are you not fulfilling this? You know, I'm doing the right steps. And it's like, you know, but it's not about doing the right steps. It's not a formula. You know, being submissive to our husband is not so that we'll have a godly husband. It's because it's faithfulness. There's not a formula. Raising our kids in righteous manner is not so that our kids will be righteous. It's to be faithful to God and our devotion to God. And that is, I mean, that is, I mean, I got to pound it in my head so much. I, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a, um, I'm not a quick learner, I don't think. Um, but I am committed to Christ. And here's the perfect example. I have said, I got to quit texting when driving. I got to quit, you know, slam on brakes, change, you know, I stop, put the phone down. I got to quit texting. And then, you know, I pick up the phone. But yesterday, the Lord finally got a hold of me, and he said, you know, Beck, Romans 13 says submit to the authority. And it is illegal to text and drive. And you set your cruise control at 60 miles an hour because you don't want to speed in a 60-mile-an-hour zone, not in a 45-mile-an-hour zone, you know, because you want to submit in the same way. you got to quit texting. But you know what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to get a post-it note, and I'm going to have to put it in my rearview mirror, and I'm going to have to say, you know, texting is illegal. To remind myself, don't text. Because you get in these habits. You know, we need to break out of those habits. So, so important that our devotion is not based on a feeling and it's based on a commitment. It's great to have a feeling, but bottom line, we're committed to this. Because he's committed to us. So, let's look at a few types of devotion that you can have. Some good, some not good. Very first one is hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. I'm reading the Bible through in a year. Or at least I've read a Bible through, through in a month. You know, so far so good. The first month, we'll see where we are. You know, what's pastors say? Leviticus is the graveyard of read the Bible through in a month. In and a year. In a year, I mean, you kind of die when you get to Leviticus. So, But I went in Exodus, and I just have been spending some time, um, I mean, just, just recently, talking about the plagues. Um, and when Moses went to Pharaoh, and it, I, I can't remember, but I remember, you know, it was out probably 15 years. There was a huge song, you know, Moses let my people go, and... There was hand signals and all that stuff that went with this. So every time I read it, I think about it. Another thing I think about in this, and this is what's important too, is that, you know, you read the Bible, it looks like the plagues happen. Like boom, 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 boom. And I don't know anywhere, and maybe if I did some really deep research, but there was at least between the ninth plague and the tenth plague, there was at least ten days. The, and it could be longer, but, he, but the Lord spoke to 
to Moses and said, on the, today is the first day, and on the tenth day, you know, slaughter, slaughter the, the lambs and do the doorpost thing. And, and so God was promising deliverance. And God promises deliverance in our hard times, in our difficult times. But it doesn't always happen immediately. And so, I, you know, I don't know. I'm probably statistically they could figure out when it was based on when the river was high and the, the fields were, you know, whatever. But it wasn't like it was just, you know, a, a one-week period that the people heard and Moses spoke to him and said, I'm going to deliver you. And, the, and then all of a sudden they got delivered. It was a long time. And so in our long times, you know, in the meantime, it might be a mean time. And so we need to understand and walk through that process and we want that deliverance that comes. But anyways, hard-hearted. And you've got to think of Pharaoh. Whenever you think about hard-hearted, you think of Pharaoh. Verse 15 of chapter 8. It says, But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them, as the Lord had said. And I'm telling you, working at Lifehouse, and I know it in my own personal life, man, when it's, I mean, it's just, the text is a perfect example. Man, there was, I got scared because I kind of swerved in traffic. And I'm like, I'm not going to text anymore. And then, so there's a respite. I'm relaxed. You know, okay, it's going to be okay. And then, then it gets too easy. Like, well, I can do, I really can do this. I'll just do it at the stoplight. No, I'll just do it at the stoplight. And the same thing with, with Pharaoh, whatever plague this was, the, third, the second plague that it was, and um, the frogs. Which I also found it funny because up in verse 10 it says, verse 9 it says, Pharaoh said to Moses, be pleased to command me when I plead to you, for you and your servants and your people. The frogs be cut off from you and your house and will be left only in the Nile. So he said, I mean Moses is really saying, when do you want the, the frogs to go away? And Pharaoh in verse 10 says, and he said tomorrow. Which why not today? I just don't understand. I mean like right now. I mean let's get rid of the frogs now. I don't understand why Pharaoh said today. I mean tomorrow. But anyways, I'll, you know, I guess I'll get to glory and see the video and, and know what happened with that. But anyways, the frogs were removed. Pharaoh had a respite, and he hardened his heart. You know, and we do that often and in a lot of ways. But often with the Lord, we'll do that. But we will get heart. We'll, we'll have a respite. There'll be relief. And it's like, okay, it's better. And then the Lord calls us to the next level, to the next step, to the next calling. We harden our heart. We harden our heart. And then, so what does he do? He sends another plague. I mean, he doesn't let us go. Praise the Lord. I remember Beth saying that. The worst thing about being in sin is the thought that God wouldn't stop us. And when we're in a mess and the Lord just lets us go, come after me hard. So first is hard-hearted devotion. We don't want to have that kind of devotion. And the second devotion that we could possibly have is lukewarm. We've all walked in this lukewarm devotion. We all, many of you guys, if you've been in the church very long, you know this verse. Revelation 3.16. I've always wanted to do a study of every 316 in all the books because a lot of the 316s are really significant. They really speak. So Jesus is now this is Jesus talking to the church at Laodicea, and he says, Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Basically, what the Lord is saying is, hey, I'd rather you just be hard hearted than kind of be loosey goosey. You know, I don't want you just to be, you know. Christmas, Easter, Sunday, you know, Christians, you know, forget it, don't fake it. If you're not going to be, if you're just going to be Christian, Easter, Sunday, I don't think he really means this, but you're my heart on this, because he wants you to come whenever, because the word never comes back void. But if that's what it is, in some ways it's better just to be cold, just be totally a pagan. Don't do this halfway, you know? And um, I think about that with exercise, even to the point of it's like, you know, you, so you see these folks, and Carol was in a running club, this happened, 
you know, they, they're running, and they run and run 10 miles or whatever and burn off all the calories, so then they can go drink six beers and have wings and fries. And it's like, I mean, I mean, just don't do it at all. I mean, you know, you know, don't do it either. But don't do it lukewarm. And then third thing, and this is where we want to be, is wholehearted. Wholehearted devotion. Wholehearted devotion. First Chronicles. David is talking to, um, to his son here, which is a good word for you to speak to your kids. I have all these printed on my lesson, but I like to read it out of the Bible. We want, we want wholehearted devotion, everything in us. 28.9, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart. And with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. And so when our heart is not fully his, we ain't faking nobody. And we might be faking everybody, but we're not faking Jesus. If your whole heart is not sold out to him, if there is a closet in your life that you're like, no, Lord, I'm, I'm going to do this my way. The Lord knows. The Lord knows. Because he searches the intentions of our hearts. And our motives behind that. And he fully knows that. And so, I mean, a huge question we ask, Lord, is there a place that I am not loving you with my whole heart? And you know what? There is a place. And it might be different next year than it was last year. But there is a place that we do not fully serve him wholeheartedly in that area. And then what he's basically saying in the, next, in the second part, if you seek him, he'll be found by you. But if you forsake him, he'll cast you off forever. And he's, what he's saying is, okay, if you don't give him your whole heart in that area, He's going, to let, he's going to just let you go off. He's not going to give you any help in that. But if you seek him with your whole heart in that area, you know what? You'll find him. You'll find him. And when we bring Jesus into any circumstance, when we bring the Holy Spirit into any circumstances, there brings peace, there brings hope, there brings life, there brings joy. It doesn't bring a fixer. The circumstances might be exactly the same. But we will find them when we give him our whole heart in that area. And that's a, that's a cry that we need to just be... And there's stuff going on at work right now and... And a friend of mine, I might even said this last week, you know, I'm, I, I am emotionally exhausted from constantly having to check my heart. I mean, that is, it's exhausting. You know, Lord, am I right on this? Is my heart right on this? Not that am I right, but is my heart right? Am I doing the right thing in this process? Am I doing the right thing? And you do it, you seek and you find it, and so far he said yes. You know, and I have peace. There's other people in the situation that's going on, and they're not sleeping at night. I'm like, I'm sleeping like a baby. You know? So... I'm just saying. That's where it is. Okay, so the type of devotion, hard-hearted, lukewarm, wholehearted. And so the question becomes, how do we develop a life of devotion? How do we develop a life of devotion? And I really, you know, I thought, okay, Lord, is this going to be three bullet points down here, or how do we do this? And I really realized there's only one way to develop a life of devotion, and that's how to have a daily quiet time. And it has to be daily. I mean... I wish there was another way, right? you know, I wish this was a magic pill. I wish there was, listen to this, you know, read this one book and you're set for life. But it's a daily devotion, because we're devoted to it. And I can tell you, you want to know, I can tell you what your devotion is by you just giving me your checkbook and your daytime. You tell me, I can tell you exactly what you're devoted to. When I start looking at where you're spending your money, and when I start looking at, um, at where you're spending your time, that's where your devotion is. Um, someone gave me a, a gift card, and and she and the reason she gave me a gift card is sometime on my blog I post recipes that I do, and she said Becky I saw you had this old 
Pyrex fish. And you need this really gorgeous, and she knew exactly which one she wanted me to get. This blue with white on the inside, nice scalloped edge. And so she gave me a gift card so that I would go buy <laughs> that gift. And, um, and so I went and got it yesterday. And it's $72 for this 9 by 12 casserole dish. I mean, it, it, I still had to put food in it. But, <laughs> but I'm like, that, I mean, for me, I am so frugal. I would break five Pyrex dishes before I, you know, before I would do that. I'm so frugal. But I know an alarm when it's better and all that stuff, but I'm grateful for it, and there's no complaint in that, and it's, gonna look, it's pretty, and it's going to, you know. But, um, but, man, you start looking at where people spend their money, and you're like, hey, you know. And having a big house is not illegal or immoral because I know people that have big houses, and they can't give their money away. I mean, you know, God just blesses them again. I buy a house, I bless them again. You know, I mean, you can't give it away. So we can't, we can't look on the exteriors. Only we can only look at our heart, where are we spending our money, and um, and where that work is. So I can't wait. I'm going to cook today. Vegetable lasagna. It'll be on the blog this evening. So, um, in in having that daily quiet time, it's so important to understand that it's not about being. It's about being, not about doing. And that goes back to I had my quiet time this morning, Lord. Why can't I get the parking lot? I mean, the parking spot in the front of the grocery store. You know, I had quiet time today. Why are these people yelling at me? You know, it's not a formula. It's not a checkoff. It's not, and I can get into that, girls. I can so get into, okay, read the book, do my Bible study, read this devotional, and journal. Done. Check. Next thing on my thing. As opposed to just settling in there. And that's why, for me, I need a lot of time. I need a lot of time. I'm blessed because I can take a lot of time. I can go to bed when I want, and I can get up when I want. And I've got girlfriends that got little kids, and she says it's like there's a little timer in their head. As soon as mommy's up, they get up. It doesn't matter if it's 5 in the morning or if it's 8 in the morning. Mom's up, baby's up. I mean, they, I mean, it doesn't matter how quiet, you know. And Denise is shaking her head. It's, you know, your girls do the same thing with you. Is that, yeah. So they're up, you know. And so, but for me, I don't have that. I'm blessed in that way. And so, um, so I can do that. I need a long time because I can just get in the checklist and move on with the day. But if I have a long time, then I can just settle in there. Drink my coffee, and I've got a lot of different devotions that I pull from, and I need to be careful to not get in the habit of just doing these devotions and, and skip from them. I do what pastor, I do whatever the church says, but also I have other things that I look at that we go from there. When do we do it? Okay, I'm legalistic about this, and it's okay. I mean, I'm okay with it. You don't have to be okay with it. When do we do with it? I'm going to read two verses from, for you. Isaiah 50, verse 4. Man, this is a good word right here. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens me. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. And then the other verse is um, Psalm 57, 8. It says, Awake my glory, awake harp and lair. I will awaken the dawn. I'm one that I, ha- I think it needs to be in the morning. You know why? Because of this verse, verse 4, in chapter 50 of Isaiah. We go through the day. And we encounter people who are weary. And if we don't get a word from him until 8 p.m. that night, how can we have a word to give to the weary that's going to sustain them? You get it at 8, and 9, 8 o'clock at night, great. you got enough for the next two hours. You go to bed. Because if anybody's like me, I don't care how long you fall asleep, you go to bed, you forget it all. you got to start all over again in the morning. And that doesn't mean, you know, and I'm a very, very, very much a morning person. So I can do, I mean, if it was, you know, do my get ready for my lesson today, last night, or this morning, definitely, you know, set the alarm and get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. I mean, for sure. And that's me. 
And so if there is that, you know, whether you're doing best Bible study or whatever, that's going to be a 45-minute where you're really studying, you know, okay, do that in the evening. But, man, give him the first fruit of your day. I don't care if it's 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you know, 30, 45 an hour. The longer you give him, the, long, the greater blessing you're going to have. And the more you do it, the more often you're going to want to do it. And, um, and so I'm pretty, I'm pretty serious about that. And, um, you know. So I think it's in the morning because we encounter people through the day. And then what happens so often, we, somebody talks to us and we're like, man, we wish we had a word to really bless them. And then that night, you know, we open our Bibles or the next, you know, it's like, well, if I would have had that if I would have studied this this morning and skipped over that. Why do we do that? Why do we do this? Why do we have a daily quiet time? I think that's really the most, really the why do we do this is not necessarily the devotion. But why do we have a quiet time? Psalm 119.72 says this. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. The word itself, this Bible itself, um, 2 Timothy 3, 16-17 tells us that it's God-breathed. It provides everything for correction, instruction, rebuking, and discipline. It tells us what's right, what's wrong, how to get right, and how to stay right. And this is what this does. And here's what's so funny. You know, we got y'all's addresses, so I went and I had a survey done, let's just imagine, of your backyard. You know, I don't have a backyard. My backyard's about this big. I guess I have a little grass back there, but nothing to mow. Well, let's just say you had a backyard, and I surveyed your backyard, and 50 feet down is a treasure chest full of gold, silver, precious stones. And that treasure chest is yours. And you can do anything you want with it. You can spend it any way you want. It's fully yours. No restrictions. Fully yours. All you got to do is go get it. Well, if you or me or I was you, I'd be like, Beck, I love you. See you next Thursday. I'll watch Pastor online. I'm getting a backhoe, or next, next Sunday, I'm getting a backhoe, and I'm digging out my backyard right now. Because if I have a treasure chest full of tre- gold, silver, and precious stones that I could spend more than I could spend in 10 lifetimes, let's do it. You know, I'm going to give half of it to the church. Whatever. Man, we're going to be out there, and we're going to dig it out, and we're going to get it happen. Here's the caveat. You can only dig from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m., and you can only use hand tools. You know what we would do? We would go by Home Depot. We would buy every shovel, pick, axe. We'd buy gloves since it's only three to four, you know, three hours a day. We'd, we'd, you know, we don't want to get too many calluses. Three fifty-nine. We've thrown Cheerios into the kids' room and closed that door and said, if nobody's bleeding or throwing up, don't come out. <laughs> nobody's gonna say, well, I'm just not a morning person. We'd sleep in our stinking clothes. We wouldn't have to set an alarm. And we'd have our hand on that door, and we would be out there digging. Girls, nothing wrong with that, because we live in a world that money matters. And we can do such amazing and great things if we had that much money. But the Bible says that this is better than precious gold and silver. This is better. And yet we let it sit on the shelf. And girls, I've done it. I did it for years. I pick it up on Sunday, and I take it to church, and I wouldn't pick it up again until the next Sunday. It would sit in the back seat of my car. I always knew where it was. Back seat of my car, just right where I left it. With the lesson bulletin in the same spot it was when the pastor got through preaching. And we need to get up. We need to have a devotion. One of the greatest things that ever happened to me was somebody sat down and showed, they showed me. Because you know what I just said? You model devotion. I mean, you, you learn by modeling. And I want to show you what it looks like at Becky's house to have a quiet time. Because I think it's, it's just... Weird. And I don't know, it worked for me, and I hope it works for you. So, I get ready the night before because if the President of the United States 
was coming to my house? Would I pick up the house before he came? You know, would I go to you know Central Market and buy the best pastries? Yep, I do. So I get ready the night before for me, my living room. That's where I have my quiet time. You need to have a place. You need to have a plan. And that's for me in the living room. So in the living room, it's got to be picked up. Now the kitchen, you know, might be like running out the kitchen, or it might be halfway up the stairs, but I can't see it, you know. And so it's okay. So I've got a plan the night before. I make my coffee the night before because I'm a coffee junkie. And I, think, I can't wait to get the glory to meet the man who threw the coffee beans in the hot water the first time. He's got to be in heaven. I mean, he has to be in heaven. He has to be in heaven. And so I get it all ready the night before, you know. And sometimes I even put my coffee, sometimes when it's lately, it's been really cold. I'll put water in my coffee mug and I'll put that in the microwave. So all I got to, because then I set a timer. So I, when the coffee goes off, you know, when I get out of bed. And, and so I get up, hit the microwave. Warm up my water so my cup's warm, pour the water out, pour my milk and my Truvia and coffee, and I sit down and I settle in. I got water in that cup. I got my face. And I got all my stuff. Whoops. I got all my stuff. That's okay. And, um, if it was coffee, yeah, yeah, coffee. I would agree. <laughs> I would agree. So, I get all my stuff and I pile it up next to me, you know, and I get my Bible and I get it all piled next to me. And usually what I'll start with is my journal. For me, I cannot focus. I can't focus. And I have to journal. And I've journaled for years. For years and years. Um, and I just start. And I'm just, I just opened here. I have no idea what this is going to be, but I might skip a part if it's not appropriate. But um, January 10th, 2010. Oh, my goodness. Where did this month go? That's how I started. Because I'm just, he's with me always. I'm in conversation. We don't have to get holy in my just Good morning, Jehovah. I lift up you and praise you for you are the excellent one. There's none like you. Praise your name. You are mighty, O oh sweet spirit. Come and do your thing in me right now. May you be exalted in my life. I'm a bit weary. I am for sure drained physically, emotionally, mentally. I did get seven hours last night, but I woke up a little cold. It's five-ish, and I'm at round top. I mean, I mean, I just talk to him. And I, it really becomes very much a journal. I tell, and, it's so, and I laugh at it. We have a kind of an interesting conversation. Because I will tell him what happened in my day yesterday. I mean, he was there. I mean, and I'm like, Lord, you already know all this, but it just makes me feel better to process through this with him. And so I journal, and some days, this was, I was having a rough day on that 19th. One, two, three, that was three and a half pages. This morning I did it because I was very distracted. It was a half a page. You know, I just journal, okay? And then, you know, I'll look at my devotionals. I always do, this, we're doing First Baptist this year. We're doing Utmost for Ataya, so... Read the devotion and usually highlight in it or whatever. Sometimes they'll speak to me and I'll journal some more about what that speaks to me. I'll write that out. Um, I try to read out loud when I can because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I'm reading the Bible through in a year, like I said, and so I'll read that and highlight in there. A couple of great tools. I used to not like prayer books. And, um, and then um, the person who modeled Quiet Time for me, it really helps focus your prayers. So you're not just saying, you know, well, bless you know, bless the kids, and bless my husband, and may you have a good day, and so, one of the, my favorite ones that I use is this one, it was given to me actually on my 40th birthday five years ago, and it is 31 days of prayer for kids, and so I've modified it over the years, and I have about 35 kids that I pray for on a daily basis, and, and this is what it looks like, three of them are, one, two, there's four of them that are very close to me, so, I pray for them every day specifically based on what their mommy and daddy have said is important. So, Lord, I lift up Jacob to you. Lord, I pray he'll be a peacemaker. Let us therefore follow up the things which make for peace and things for which one may edify another. Romans 14, 19. 
I pray that Jacob makes every effort to do what leads to peace. I pray that he encourages and edifies those that he lives around. Lord, I pray for Carter and Jarrett. I pray that they would honor their parents. I pray that they would show respect for self, others, parents, and authority. I pray that the children would show proper respect, respect to everyone as your word commands. Lord, I pray for Blaine and Carter to operate in the fruit of the Spirit. I pray that they would be self-disciplined. I pray that they'd live a disciplined life full of wisdom and good judgment to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment. Lord, I lift up Chandler, Coleman, Keenan, Clayton, Jarrett, Blaine, Jesse, Jordan, Micah, Lena, Rachel, Rob, Davis, Brendan, Jacob, Wesley, Will, Riley, Catherine, Ty, Kirkland, number three. She's pregnant. Shay, Lang, uh, John Langley, Josiah, Shay, Abigail, Lydia, Aaron, Jenna, Jason, Colleen, Carter, Taylor, Susanna, Josiah, Cole, Hannah, Matthew, Megan, Mark, Michael, Mac, Aiden, Tori, Beth, Caleb, Jonathan, Caroline, Brian, Stephen, Allie, Luke, Abby, Sophie, Michelle, Katie, Drew, Tommy, Renee, Nicole, Jesse, Ben. And whatever day it is, today was day 31, so this morning I prayed a heart of praise, that they would have a heart of praise. My favorite prayer of all in all this thing is day 13, and this is what day 13 says. Lord, I pray that the children would desire to be pure and that the purity of their hearts will be shown in their actions. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And I added this. May they all go to the altar virgins, and may they marry virgins. What does that take? 45 seconds? Two minutes? And, um, and I prayed for these kids. The oldest kid on this list is, well, yeah, the oldest kid on this list that's the permanent part of the list because I rotate people in and out, but is, um, he's 16, and the youngest is unborn. And um, I've prayed for them for five years, and I'll continue to pray for them a long time, and it earns me the right. But this is an effective, fervent, you know, we can be fervent in our prayers, but this is an effective way to be fervent in our prayers. Also, another great little book is For the Family by Sylvia Gunther, and um, you can order that online, but um, it is full of prayers um, for your husbands, for um, your children, a spirit of separation it talks about in here. What I love is these seven blessings for the families, which I pray spiritual blessing, I pray emotional blessing, I pray mental blessing, I pray personal blessing. I pray the blessing of right relationship with authority. I pray physical blessings, and I pray financial blessings. This is a great little book, and, and that way, again, we're praying effectively for them, and not fervently for them, and not just fervent. And um, and then finally, this one little book here, 31 Days of Praise. Great little book. Day 17 is one of my favorite in here. And all of these books that I use are all they are is scripture woven into prayer. So I don't have to throw at the end in Jesus' name. Because it is <laughs> in his name. It is what he would desire if it's a scripture. Lord, thank you, for, thank you that you have me in the place that you want me just now. That even if I got here through wrong choices or indifference or even rebellion, yet you knew my mistakes and sins before I ever existed, and you worked them into your plan to draw me to yourself, to mold and bless me, and to bless others through me. Thank you that even if I'm here through the ill will or poor judgment of other people, all is well. For in your sovereign wisdom, you are at work to bring about good results from all those past decisions, those past events beyond my control. Good results, both for me and for others. Thank you again that you meant for good the terrible things that happened to Joseph, who was sold into slavery, exiled to a distant country, and later sent to prison on false accusations. And that through all this, you had him in the right place at the right time, for highly important reasons. I'm glad, Lord that you are the same today, well able to work things out for me to turn evil into good. I stand amazed at the complexity and mystery of your wisdom, how safe it is for me to trust in your reason for acting or not acting and your methods of working. 
Thank you that I can safely commit my location and situation to you. I can be willing for you to shift me anywhere on life's checkerboard or bury me anywhere in life's garden, gladly yielding myself for you to please yourself with anywhere in any way you choose. Thank you that I can trust you with my future places. Ready to go? Ready to stay. So I rest in the fact that you have me in this place for this day, and I praise you that you will faithfully guide me throughout life to just where you want me to be as I seek to do you will. And most important of all is my place in you. How delighted I am to have my dwelling place where I can settle down, feel secure, and be content anywhere on earth. You are my blessed home, where I can enter and be at rest even when all around and above is a sea of trouble. How my soul delights to hide in the secret of your presence, to take refuge in the shadow of your wings, to eat at your table, to drink my fill of the river of your delights. How blessed I am, my King and my God, for you have chosen me and brought me near to live in your presence, to behold your delightfulness, to seek your counsel, and to think, I will dwell in your house forever. I mean, you wake up and have a bad day. I mean, that will get you going. And you're in a difficult situation. God is able. And we just need to remind ourselves. And in our daily devotion, we can have that opportunity. So, and I, it just depends. By then, you know, the time it is and where I'm at. And, you know, and sometimes I don't I get my Bible study done this morning. And so I'll work on that this evening. And, you know, and I get up and it's time to go. And, um, and for me, it is, I usually get up around 4 o'clock. And I usually don't get up from that spot till about 5 or 5.30. Sometimes close to six, um, but I have that freedom. I have that freedom, and I'm I'm grateful that I can do that. So I will strongly encourage you if you are not having any kind of devotional time right now, any kind of quiet time. I mean, just take ten minutes, get the devotion, and and read your read the Bible, read a chapter a day. I don't care where you begin, just a chapter a day. And I wouldn't begin in Leviticus, but you know, if that's what the Lord calls you, then you walk through that. And have that daily devotion. As you do that daily devotion, then it just becomes, those, the word just soaks into you. It just drizzles down into you. And later in the day, you have a word. And um, you can walk in that. I wish there was another way. I remember um, just recently, they, um, the Willow Creek Association, which is a great church, great church, and has done a lot of promoting and a lot of amazing things. Uh, Bill Hybels, though, it was probably three years ago, they basically made an apology. Because he thought if we did all these programs, people would go in Christ, grow in Christ. And he realized that it's not about programs. It's about personal devotion. If they are not having personal quiet times at home, it does not matter how many programs. And our public worship should not be any greater than our private worship. If the only time we worship the Lord is on Sunday morning, don't quit coming. But let me tell you, you want a full and abundant life? You need to have great private worship. So let me encourage you on that. Okay, um, last part, sacred service. So we're supposed to be devout, we're supposed to be reverent, we're supposed to be, show that out in an outward expression um, as those who are operating in sacred service because we are operating in sacred service. Sacred service is befitting men, places, action, or things dedicated to God. And I want you ladies to know that whatever you are doing, it is sacred service. You are a priest. And it's actually the next. You are a priest. First Peter two nine says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. That is our job, as priests, to, the, to proclaim the praises of Him. And I, I was gonna, I was gonna split this up, but then I decided not to. But maybe I should because we're rushing it here. But. You know, when we look and we study the priesthood of 
in the Old Testament and what the Lord did in, in calling out those that were um, that were holy. And um, that is the same banner we carry over us as priests today, and that we can walk in that holiness to proclaim his righteousness. And the, the Levites were the priests um, who served in the temple. And, um, and that's our job, because we are the temple. <laughs> and we as Levites need to serve. And so I just need to be mindful that we are priests, and regardless of what we're doing, it's sacred, holy service, dedicated unto the Lord. Second, uh, or the second point here is you are called to holiness. The Oswald Chambers devotion was very good this morning that um, holiness doesn't bring about redemption, but holiness is, an, is a, an, um, uh, an expression of the redemption that comes from Christ. And we need to be mindful. Again, it's not a formula. But just as you were called, 1 Peter 15, 1 Peter 1, 15 through 17 says this, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work and partially live your lives as strangers here in reverential fear. We are supposed to be holy. That means we're different, we're set apart. That doesn't mean you're perfect. It just means that we need to live in holiness. Step above, a step above. Whatever that looks like in all areas of your life, we need to be holy. And what we say and what we think and what we do and how we act and our countenance, everything that we need to do, it needs to be holy. And, um, and it's a work in process. It's always going to be a work in process. And there's always going to be a certain area in your life. And that, one time I'm sure I'll talk about this, but, you know, just talking about, you can look in the different areas of life. Okay, how do I need to tweak them? If you just look physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, okay, how am I doing in those things? How am I doing in that? I mean, 15 years ago, I was weak physically, emotionally, I was a mess, mentally, I was not sharp, and whatever's left. Spiritually, I was a joke. I mean, I was just barely alive. I had been dead in Christ. I mean, I was dead to the, to the flesh and made life. But today, I'm stronger in all four of those areas. Am I where I want to be? No. But praise God, I'm not where I was. I'm not where I was. And then, lastly, in doing the sacred service, because it's like, well, I don't know how to be holy. How do I get to be holy? I love this verse. And this kind of ties back into the rest of the chorus. You have the knowledge. That's the blank. You have the knowledge. Because if the Spirit of God dwells inside of you and you have a Bible, you have the knowledge. Because 2 Peter 1.3 says this, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. So here's how it works. His power, which is, Jesus, which is the Spirit of God, if you are a believer in Christ, that Spirit of God dwells inside of you. So all of His power. And you have all the power. You don't, you don't get more Holy Spirit later down the road but when we become more righteous. We have every bit of the Spirit within us right now that we will ever have. It's just like, you know, you know, Jehovah God loves us as much now as He ever has and ever will. He doesn't love us any less. We have all the power in us. And it's been granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. Him being Jesus Christ. Because He's the one who called us to His own glory and excellence. Through the knowledge of Christ. So if we want to know about life and godliness, we know, we've got to know about Jesus. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do we know about Jesus? It's in the Word. Everything you need for life and godliness is right here in these 66 books. And if you can't find it, call me. We'll find it. And it's not just kind of random, okay, this is my verse for the day. I believe it's very specific. I had a friend that was working through a situation. Her, she had... Um, uh, she had conceived her oldest child out of wedlock, and um, but married the father, and you know did the next right thing. And they had, I think, were already engaged when they conceived that. But it talks about um, 
but this, this daughter, who is in her 40s now, had a crippling fear, crippling stronghold of fear. And um, in reading through the scriptures, she wasn't even looking for this solution, but reading the scriptures, it talks about those who were, that were conceived out of the covenant of marriage. There is, a, there is a different curse that's upon them. Not a curse like an evil thing, but there's just different strongholds. It opens up the doorway for the enemy to come in in a totally different way than those children that are conceived under the covering of marriage. I mean, I mean that it's here. We just don't know it, girls. We don't know the word. What did Pastor say the other day? I mean, I guess it was around Christmas time. Yeah, great Christmas message. You know, we don't read it enough. As much as we read it, we don't read it enough. As much as I read it, I don't read it enough. We've got to have our devotion to go in there. So, because it's here. Everything we need for life and godliness. So, in closing, just a couple of takeaways. How's your heart toward God? Is it fully devoted? Is it hard-hearted? Is it lukewarm? How's your heart toward your friends? How's your heart toward your enemies? Your spouse? Your co-workers. And I really want to, I want to have a wholehearted devotion, healthily and appropriately, to all those people. Because there's some people that could walk into my office, because I'm very disciplined and I'm on a task, I'm very task-driven, I freely admit it, you know, and I have to confess that all the time. I think about tasks more than I think about people. And I'll get focused on my task and somebody will walk in my office and it will get all over me. I'm, do- I'm busy, I don't have time to talk about what's going on in your life. I mean, and that, it's wrong. I mean, I admit it's wrong. But other people, I could be in the middle of craziness going on, every, you know, all hell breaking loose, so to speak, at the office and trying to get stuff done and the computers are breaking and the printers are breaking and all that stuff and a buddy walks in. It's like, hey, how are you? know, it's like, because my heart's hold hard. It's warm toward them. It's tender toward them. And see, I want to be that way with everybody because that's what we're called to. Um, how, is our, how will you deepen your life of devotion to God this week? How will you deepen your life? Maybe it's just to start. I'm going to start having a daily quiet time. You know, and I'm just going to start by having a semi-weekly <laughs> quiet time. I mean, don't set yourself up for failure. And if you fail, get up again. Titus tells us, I mean, um, Jude, there's a verse in Jude that says, Jesus is the one who he keeps us from stumbling and falling, and he will present us blameless before the throne of Christ. So don't think that, oh, I've messed it, I'm blown, and I can never get this right. No, he's going to keep us from stumbling and falling. You will not stumble or fall. And he will present us blameless. But he needs our help to come along the way to really us to live the abundance that we have. So maybe it's just starting, and maybe you're just going to say, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I'm going to give them the first five minutes. And that might mean, you know, for you, because I have to brush my teeth and wash my, I mean, I have to be pretty awake, you know. Some people have to take a shower before they do it. I mean, you know, whatever. But some, they, they have, I know friends that have their devotion right there next, you know, they just turn the light on. They don't even get out of bed. Of course, I have to go to the bathroom. I don't know how they do that. But they don't even get out of bed. They do the devotion there. And then finally, where are you performing your sacred service? And I ask that because I want you to be mindful that whatever you're doing on a day-to-day basis is sacred service. It is sacred service. And you need to be looking at it like that, and that's where you need to bring the holiness. So, anyways, let me pray, and then we'll go. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for today. We thank you for your word. We're so grateful for your word, Father, that you chose to condense your thought, put it into 66 books that we can access and have hold of, and that you can speak to us through your Holy Spirit to give us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, I pray for the ladies in the class today. pray that you would encourage them, that you would bless them, Father God. Lord, I pray that, um, that they would uh, leave um, uh, convicted by your Holy Spirit. I'm convicted, Lord, to want to do more, to be more devoted to you, to be more to, to um, show wholehearted love to those that are around us, around me, Lord. 
Pray that you would give them the wisdom and the knowledge and the strength to know how to walk through that, Father God. We thank you for what you're going to do um, as we continue to seek your face because if we seek your face, you will be found. When we find you, it will bring abundance into our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay.